When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. I think yuck is really the only thing to say. Uh, welcome to First and Pod. Uh, every team, every game, subscribe, rate, review, share it with your friends, Danny Parkins. Andrew Filipponi, ahead of week five, we're on now after Colts and Broncos just ends 12-9 in overtime. Dude, I don't even know what I just watched. They, they, they should give us a refund for what Amazon paid for Thursday Night Football. Or you know what, I'll, I'll just settle for Russell Wilson's game check out of the $250 million. That, that he got what, what what the hell was that pony well it was two quarterbacks who looked like they're past their prime is what it was and matt ryan's defense was i'm old but i'm gonna i'm gonna have a great offensive line in front of me and then jonathan taylor didn't play and their line has been vastly overrated an aging line that aged in dog years before our eyes and then as far as denver is concerned like I get it. The coach is not cut out to be an NFL head coach. He only got the job because they assumed that Aaron Rodgers was going to go to Green Bay and they were going to be able to pair those two guys together. But, dude, Russell Wilson should not be this bad. And last year, his excuse was, I got rushed back from surgery, and he blamed the offensive line and the coaching staff in Seattle he is losing this divorce in an like an incredible way. Like people kind of thought that Belichick would win the Brady divorce because he'd have more years to coach than Brady would to play. And then Brady won a Super Bowl the next year. Danny, this is the opposite. Pete Carroll is blowing out Russell Wilson in this split. And like nobody thought that would happen. It's an incredible upset that he's winning this separation right now. Pony, last week I said that Geno Smith is better than Russ, and you were like, you don't really believe that, do you? Dude, Monday morning, that is going to be a consensus opinion. I know. I know, but um, but like back in the spring, everybody was like, what are the what are the Seahawks thinking? The game has passed Pete Carroll by. He's an idiot. He's a dinosaur. And yes. You got there a little bit earlier than other people with your take last week. But last spring, everybody said Russell Wilson good, Pete Carroll bad, and now it's the opposite. Russell Wilson is the most overpaid quarterback in the entire league by far. I, dude, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, 2022 first, 2022 second, 2022 fifth, 2023 first, 2023 second, 
and a quarter of a billion that doesn't even start kicking in until next year. If I am a Broncos fan, I know, dude, I am panicked. He's getting booed at home. Like the Hackett thing is one thing. And we've been on that since week one, second worst coach in the NFL to Matt Rule. I didn't have Russell Wilson being the second worst quarterback in the NFL to Baker Mayfield, but Baker's only getting three and a half million. Right. Like, what, what do you do? Like we said after week one, oh, you're the Walton family. You own Walmart. Just sunk cost. Fire Nathaniel Hackett. Move on. It happens. Admit that they made a mistake. What do you do about Russell Wilson? Like Indianapolis, it's a one-year deal. Like it's it's not it, or I guess I mean it's a big cap hit for next year, but like it it's not it's not a long term commitment to yeah. Ryan. Like they've been QB to QB to QB. This is supposed to be a six to eight year commitment to Russell Wilson in Denver. The guy said he wants to play until he's forty or forty two. What what do you do? What do you do if you're Denver? I guess you hire a coach or somebody that you think is going to bring out the best in him, but I don't feel that's this guy. I know, dude. It's the 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 interceptions he threw, the one both the one to Gilmore and then the one in overtime are just if it were a non-franchise quarterback who was a guy who was unsettled or was un we were unsure of him as a franchise quarterback, we would be destroying that person right now. Like that's how oh, bad Russ both is of those throws get destroyed. were. Dude, he gets mocked already. He gets mocked by his old teammates. Like I he he is not going to be spared from any of this. It's like shooting up the list as biggest story in the NFL. Like let Russ cook. Russ is cooked. Yeah, exactly. Right. That is crazy. Great, like for, forget top ten. They got a quarter of a billion locked up in a guy and who can't read a defense. And think about this: if Geno Smith was awful, it would still be a great trade for Seattle. He's right. been awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's like they've won this trade across the board. Not only did they get themselves out of Russell Wilson, but the guy that replaced him has statistically been one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, Danny. He just won and player I, of the week. Dude. Yeah. And I and, and 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 I have to I have to talk for my media brethren because nobody else really wants to do this. The the Seahawks destroyed the Broncos in this trade. And all of us just crapped. I mean, we pulled down our pants so fast to take a shit on Pete Carroll. We destroyed Pete Carroll as quickly as we could. We hated Pete Carroll. I mean, everybody, it was ugly, dude. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was like open season on the guy. Oh, he takes his shirt off. He's 70 years old. He thinks he's cool. He's a fucking idiot. No, he's not. He looks like a goddamn genius right now, Danny. I, I, we were, and the crazy thing is, we were less wrong than a lot of people because neither one of us really liked Denver. I know. But no one had this. Dude, I don't know what's crazier. Like the not running 
or the not reading defenses. And I think it's no, the I not think it's the not reading defenses by far. I I I I do I do too, but like dude, they didn't pay a guy $250 million to be a statue. They didn't think they were getting this. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like it's like being sold a lemon. It's like false advertising. I know. It is it is crazy. It is a crazy, crazy thing. And we obviously have to stop talking about the Colts as like, I mean, I know they won. So, you know, they're alive. And for Matt Ryan week. hugged Frank Reich like they had just won the game. Yeah, stop. These teams stink. Dude, I hated <laughs> watching that game and I had the under. Like, I was just like a dead to rights winner start to finish. And I was like, this game fucking sucks. All right. So let's get to the slate for week five. Yeah. I think the biggest game in terms of what we're going to watch and what people are going to be invested in talking about is Cowboys Rams and obviously what Rush has done to not only be 4-0 but his passer rating to be very good to this point. So the question is what is Dak Prescott thinking right now as he watches Rush play to this level and the idea that I guess Humpty Dumpty is going to fall off the wall against the Rams on Sunday, Danny. I think, you know, Dak has some firsthand knowledge of this with the Romo. Right. With the Romo. Exactly. Team, right? It's time uh, is a flat circle. I'm watching True Detective Season 1 all over again. Yeah. Now, the the obvious difference is age. Right? Like, like there's nothing to suggest that Dak is close to anywhere near anything other than the prime of his career. And they paid him. So... That's, that's obviously a huge difference. And so the Cowboys have every incentive in the world to go back to Dak when he's healthy. But they don't have any incentive to go back to him before he's 100% healthy. Like I, I think that's what Cooper Rush has done. I don't think it like removes Dak in any way from like his very firm footing as franchise quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys but all that it'll take for that to change is Cooper Rush to win this game exactly and then them to say well Dak is now 100% healthy and then Dak to struggle for two or three weeks so I think right now he's totally fine but all it's going to take is one or two or three other dominoes to fall. And all of a sudden he's on pretty shaky footing, but I still, I still think we are probably two or three data points away from that being a real discussion. I only think it's one. I think if, I think if the Rams and Cowboys, if Dallas wins this game and rush plays well, then I think that that ignites the conversation about, wait a minute. Are we sure that they're going to go back to Dak regardless of how pot committed they are to him? Because everything else has just been holding. You don't agree with that? I mean, to me, it's classic Brady versus Bledsoe if they win this game. If they win this game and he's good, then it completely shifts the paradigm of the quarterback debate there. Right now, it's this guy's done an incredible job of just holding down the fort, but it's the Rams on the road, dude. If he wins this game, I think it blows all of that up. But they signed Dak to an at-the-time record contract. And the and the Patriots did the same thing with Bledsoe when Brady it, did this. 
It's the it's it, it's a it's a money talk salary cap league, man. Like and it that, was back then, dude. It was the same thing. No, was he that early into his contract? Yes, it was the he signed the deal in the offseason for a hundred million dollars, a record setting deal. Wasn't and then it? he got yes, and then he got hurt and Brady took the job and never gave it back. It was literally that year after he signed the deal, dude. I just watched the friggin' Brady man in the arena bullshit documentary about it, dude. Oh, I don't know why you, I don't know why you subjected yourself to that nonsense. That explains why you're so caught up in this Giselle Brady storyline. You invested (laughs) 10 hours of your time in that propaganda. I, I will be very surprised if Dak doesn't get a start and get to start when he's healthy. That would shock me, even even if they beat the Rams. So if the doctors clear Dak and Cooper Rush beats the Rams, you think they still go back to Dak for the next game? I do. I don't. I disagree with that. I think they'll come up with some bullshit excuse to not play him. What would the excuse be? I think they'd lie and say that he's not ready. Okay, but you can only do that for a week or two. Yeah, I think they'd do that for at least one more week. Yeah, I mean... If Rush beats the Rams, to my opinion, there's a 0% chance Dak starts the next game. None. None. Zero. I don't think that's right. I mean, obviously it will depend on some level on how Cooper Rush looks, but... Mike McCarthy keeps falling all over himself to say that it's Dak's team. Like they, he also went into the friggin' press conference with a what, like a sheet of, like a scroll of quarterback. I know. Listen, I mean, I'm not defending Mike McCarthy, but listen, I I think the game is fascinating for the reason of what exactly what we're talking about here. I I'm not I'm not saying that it's impossible down the road, but I think it's going to take Dak to falter, not necessarily okay. just Cooper Rush struggling. Do you think they're going to win? No, neither do I. Okay, neither do I. I, Who do you think wins Bengals Ravens and is the winner the new AFC North favorite? The winner is definitely the favorite. Um, I mean, by definition, because the whole right they're 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 both two and two. Browns are two and two, and the winner of this game would be three and two with a win over the other one. So they're they're definitely the favorite. It's it's just a much bigger game for Baltimore, like. Cincinnati has righted the ship and the game's in Baltimore and Lamar's been amazing, obviously, but Baltimore has to feel like they have, they they have to feel like they're a bad two and two since he probably feels like they're a fluky two and two. Like they like, ah, we're fine. We should be better. Everything is going to be okay. You know what I mean? Baltimore yeah. has to feel like they should be three and one, if not four and oh. Yeah. And now they're at home against their rival, who's the AFC champ, who's won back to back games. So it's a much bigger, like it's it's obviously a division game with rivals and all that with the same record. So it's a big game for both, but it's a much bigger game for Lamar and Baltimore than it is for Burrow and Cincinnati. But of course, whoever wins is the favorite. And if Cincinnati wins, I'll say they'll win the North. If Baltimore wins to me, it's more of like a, you did your job type of situation. Yeah. The Ravens feel like a one man team to me right now. And I know Andrews is really good and Queens a fantastic inside linebacker and 
everybody knows who their corners are, but they just feel like they're just completely dependent on Lamar Jackson. And I know you could probably make the same case for Cincinnati because with Burrow and their wide receivers, he needs to get the ball to his weapons. But I don't know. I just don't think the vibe should be much better in Baltimore. But I just think it's probably like if you were working for a company and the owner of the company refused to pay the best employee market value and tried to shake short change or lowball the guy, I can understand how it would just seep through and affect the entire operation. And I think that there's some of that in Baltimore, dude. I think that's the thing human is, though, nature. There's such a well-respected organization that that's just not their reputation. And Lamar has been carrying it like I'm repping myself. I have no agent. It feels like he just doesn't agree with the media consensus that this is risky. He just – it might be head-in-the-sand denial – but he looks at this as like, I'm awesome. I have the leverage here. They have no alternative to me. And if they have to, you know, exclusive rights tag me and pay me 120% or whatever it is, like the average of the top five guys and get the $50 million for one year, yeah, he's just committed to doing the it, Kirk it, Cousins thing. Yeah, it just seems like the Bengals are way more cohesive and together than the Ravens are. And when you're talking about two teams that are very close, I do think that that can be the difference in a game like the one we're going to see on Sunday night. So, no, I, I listen, I think I think that part's fair. I just think that I think that we all are much more worried about Lamar's contract than Lamar seems to be worried about Lamar's contract. This game's in London. Weird things happen in London. Packers, Giants. Is this the game that the Packers offense breaks out? Yes. It should be. Yeah. If it's not, then we need to hold ourselves accountable. And when we come back on the air and do this podcast Monday morning, we need to say, like, again, where is it? Like, come on. it's It's got to be now. What are we waiting for with this Packers offense? The Giants defense is not a strength of the team. And they're going to have a bad quarterback play at less than 100%. Like, this isn't Bill Belichick trying to cook up something. It's not the Buccaneers' defense. It's time for the Packers to score 30-plus points points in a game, Danny, and I think they will. I, I think they're going to run for 150, 200 yards. Like, I think that the Giants' run defense has been terrible, and the Bears didn't take advantage of it nearly as much as they should have and as everyone else has. And with Dylan and Jones and like, like if this game was in Lambeau, I think it's a huge blowout. I think if it's in New York, it's probably a blowout. Weird things happen in London. Uh, these games are just a little wonky, kind of like Thursday night games. Uh, so I don't know that I'll downgrade them quite as much just because of that weirdness. And Rogers coming out this week and saying like, how these receivers progress and the level of talent that they rise up to is going to absolutely have an impact on how long I keep playing. Like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like it's, you lost Devonte Adams. You're four weeks into the season. These guys are mid round rookies. 
Like you, you don't have a lot of talent there. I think this is a 30 plus carry. Let's go across the pond and survive game. Like control the game, hold the ball for 40 minutes. It's never in doubt wire to wire, but I don't necessarily know that we're watching a blowout on. Is the food there as bad as they say it is? It's terrible. Really? Yeah. I mean, like it, it depends. Like, they, there's there's high end restaurants because it's a huge city like and you know Indian food is big there but like fish and chips with peas it's just it's gross it's gross it's not for me you gotta go man I can't believe you've never been to London wait wait haven't the Steelers I'd rather go I'd rather go yeah they did but it was the same time that Pirates were in the playoffs I'd rather go to Wyoming I'd rather like tour the the whole Yellowstone ranches you're just like an ugly american who has has no interest (laughs) yeah pretty much right now yeah yeah it's it's better pretty much everywhere else all right your squad steelers bills pittsburgh 14 plus point dog biggest underdog uh steelers have never been a bigger dog in their franchise history what the hell's up with your squad man well, they let one guy's injury ruin the entire defense, which when you bring Brian Flores over from Miami and you have Mike Tomlin as your head coach, is not supposed to happen. So that's really the dilemma here. Like, how did this team, which we knew was replacing Ben, but they did have Kenny Pickett, and they drafted Najee Harris in the first round the year before, like they were not supposed to be a pretty team. But the fact that one injury, and I know it's a great player. The guy won the Defensive Player of the Year award last year. But it's just astonishing to me and, frankly, a huge disappointment that one guy is out and now we're in a situation where you're a two-touchdown underdog. I mean, I actually love the Steelers in this situation. Like, if you look at the history of double-digit underdogs in the NFL, most of them cover and a few of them actually win. But... It is a sad commentary on where the Steelers are right now, where, you know, for the first time in a long time nationally, they're like not a story whatsoever with people. Well, obviously that changes if, if Pickett's awesome. And um, they win. Well, right, and obviously they win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying like long-term, like they, they at least have hope. You have the hometown local kid who's the first-round Pickett quarterback who's got a ton of moxie. But there's no like surprise – or it's not confusing what happened to Pittsburgh, a future first ballot Hall of Famer, retired, even though he was bad last year and over the hill. Like he, a first ballot Hall of Famer retired. And when that happens to any franchise, they take a huge step back. But it's just been so damn long since it had happened in Pittsburgh. Everyone's like, oh man, what happened to the Steelers? And then Watt gets hurt, best defensive player in football, and the offensive line stinks. Well, the so offensive like, line's been better, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. But I mean, it, but they're not running the ball. So you you have, you've got a rookie quarterback. You played Mitch Trubisky. Your best defensive player got hurt in a first ballot Hall of Famer, retired. It's not really confusing why they- got could, the Bills? I, I mean, what, no, I'm just saying why, like, how did yeah. they become, how did they become a 14 point underdog? That's how. A lot of bad shit happened to them in a very short period of time. And they're playing the preseason favorite. Yeah. Like that's the recipe to be a two, two touchdown underdog. Uh, and the, no, but I don't, I don't love laying huge numbers in the NFL. 
Like who, you know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable doing that really ever. So it's to me, to me, this would be a Steelers or a stay away. Falcons and Bucks. Uh, do you think it's fair to question Brady's psyche and focus for a game like this? Is his personalized personal life fair game for a game like this, Danny? I mean, yeah. Yeah, but the, the thing is, is that it it's not we got the report this week about the divorce, and he's a public figure, she's a public figure. So of course it's fair game it's sad because kids are involved obviously they'll be fine and they're not that young and they've got hundreds of millions of dollars so in the grand scheme of life there are certainly greater tragedies but man like have you ever had a huge fight with your wife and gone to work it sucks like I don't know if you and your wife ever fight mine and I occasionally do and like you text like a little bit hey I'm you know about to go on the air Love you. Sorry about that. How you doing? That's what you do. You just say how you're doing at friggin' two o'clock your time. You well, no, a little turn. before. You know, whatever. Like, you try to like <laughs> check in, and then they hit you back with the "it's fine." <laughs> like you know what I mean? It it like lingers yeah. for a little bit, and that's when you're not even. They're not even like it. D- divorce not even in the picture. You just had an argument over something dumb. So like, yeah. of course it's of course it's fair. Uh, but the other thing is, man. Tampa hasn't looked good. Their defense got cooked. Yes, I understand by the Chiefs, but like they've lost back-to-back games. I'm in like a couple of big survivor pools. Everyone's talking about are you saving Buffalo for later in the year? Tampa's going to be one of the most popular picks. The narrative is going to be all oh, Brady can't lose three straight. Like, are you sure? I'm not rushing to say that Tampa is definitely going to win this division game. When you've got that skill position talent for the Falcons. Now, now Pitts being hurt, even though he hasn't been great, like that takes one thing away from them. We'll see if he ends up playing, but like, of course it's fair. They're, they're not winning football games. Well, I think that this is for Brady, a perfect situation. He's never lost to Atlanta. He's 10 and 0 against them. Obviously the 28 to three game. And like, I do, I could easily see him. If he wanted to invest himself more into work before the separation was finalized, now he has the freedom or the carte blanche to do so. It's really for for Tampa, if you look at the way their schedule is set up, it's their first obvious gimme game at Dallas. New Orleans has always been a bitch for him since he got to Tampa. Green Bay, Kansas City, this is the first putt inside of like five feet for him to use a golf analogy that he's had all year. So I do expect him to blow them out at home. And if they don't, if they don't, then a lot of the things I've bitched and moaned about with Tom Brady so far this year, I think are completely valid and need to be applied to future games. And we need to discount them as a real favorite to do anything this oh, year. I, oh, that that is a given. Like if they if they don't win, we downgrade them as a non-contender in the NFC until they rattle off like a four-game plus winning streak. Hundred percent. Forty Niners at Panthers. Is this a trap game for San Francisco, Danny? So it has all the makings of one. It like yes. checks every single box, right? Yep. It's yep. it is a. They just won a physical, emotional, divisional game on Monday night. 
they're a West Coast team traveling east for a uh, early game, and they're a bad offense, and they're laying nearly a touchdown. It checks every single box. But but it's the worst quarterback coach combo in the NFL. So no, like is Baker scoring ten points? I yes. would say no. I think yes. I don't think if you said seventeen, I'd say no. But I so think like, that's so. Like you, you're not you're not picking them to lose if you don't think that the home team can score 17 points on offense. So like it, I honestly think like any other team in that time zone that you could put them against, you would be like absolute trap game, stay away. But I think it's the perfect opponent for San Francisco given all of the circumstances that I just laid out. See, I, I agree with you to some extent that obviously Carolina has been just such a disaster. And what you said about rules record, he's won one game when scoring, when a team scores more than 17. Mayfield took a pay cut and he's been awful. But I also think that that breeds like a desperation in them that I could see when a team is off a short week that actually benefits them and they played their best game of the year. I'm not bullish on Carolina big picture at all, but I do. I could easily see with Garoppolo coming to town that they win this game and have like this fool's gold reaction where people try to talk themselves into Carolina as maybe like the third wild card team in the NFC because they beat the 49ers at home. I won't buy that, but I think that they're a very live dog, and I don't trust San Francisco to go there and win on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be a popular narrative. I just think it's the perfect opponent for the Niners. Uh, Bears-Vikings, NFC North. You giving my Bears and Justin Fields any chance to get right in this spot? No, I don't. I wish I could say yes because it's the any given Sunday motif, but it's like I've never – well, actually, here's the thing. I've just lived through this with Mitch Trubisky, and you did for years too. This whole dilemma where a team doesn't trust its quarterback and how that manifests and how that affects a team on a, on a game, in a game situation. And I think you're living that, dude. Like, I heard Trent, what, Trent Dilfer tried to blame it on everybody but Justin Fields. Do I have that right? Do yeah, well, a lot of the right? national media people, Orlovsky, Dilfer on our show, they're like, he he has nothing around him. And it's true, man. It, it's a collective failure. Sure. It's the, the pass blocking is atrocious. The pass catching is atrocious. And the yeah. passer is atrocious. It's true. It, it, that is, but the thing is, you st- like they got the Giants, who everyone in the world could run on, and they couldn't run on them. They got the Texans who are in basically the same spot in terms of talent. And it did not look like a huge talent discrepancy uh, right. in, in any way. Like the bears are a bottom three team in the NFL. They just happened to be two and two because they caught the Niners at home week one in a monsoon. And it was, a, it was the weird Trey Lance game and all of that stuff. Like the, the, the bears are atrocious and the, the recipe is out. Like you can run on the bears and, you need to blitz Justin Fields 
especially up the middle, because that offensive line is pathetic. They just lost Cody Whitehair, put him on IR, probably their best offensive lineman, the left guard. Yep. It's awful. And this is a noon game at home for Kirk Cousins, which is where he thrives. <laughs> Dal- Dalvin Cook hasn't had a breakout game, yet hasn't had a 100-yard game. Everyone goes over their rushing yardage prop against the Bears. And Jalen Johnson, who comes on my show every week, even though he's hurt and he's amazing, like both as a personality and as a, as a player – is probably not going to play, hasn't practiced all week, missed the last two games. Dude, they have no one else who can even like pretend to cover Justin Jefferson. It's going to be Kyler Gordon as a rookie, Kendall Vildor, who's bad. Like it, Justin Jefferson could have 200 yards receiving, and Dalvin Cook could have 200 yards rushing, and I'd be like, eh, they underachieved. Like I, I, th- I think it's a horrendous spot for the bears horrendous yeah that's why you're such a huge hit there in chicago because you don't bullshit people and just give them what they want to hear you tell it like it is so i'm with you on that how about the jets and dolphins what is miami without tua they are still favored in this game danny but i think it's only because the odds makers can't bring themselves to to take miami from last undefeated in the afc all the way to underdog against the friggin' Jets at home in New York. But if you're objective about it, I think with Bridgewater in, the Jets are the better team. I think that what they are is an under team. Like, I, I, because I can't get there either, personally. But what I can do is they're not going to be as explosive. Like, Tyreek Hill leads the league in receiving. Waddle, I know he's a little banged up, but we, we've talked all year about their skill position, guys. Just take the under at 46. This is not a high-scoring game. I, it's one of my favorite bets of the week is just saying, okay, these teams are – it's going to be ugly. There will be moments. There will be flashes. Bridgewater might connect on a, you know, a punt that goes 60 yards and Tyreek Hill gets under and has to wait for it. And it ends up being a touchdown. But this is neither team is going to look seamless offensively. Like Wilson was terrible for three quarters and then turned it on in the fourth. Like I don't think I don't think Bridgewater or Wilson is ready to play four quarters of good offensive football. So I'm not really an enormous spot for the Jets, dude. What an opportunity they have at home. Yeah, they can win this game and tie the Dolphins in the division, man. It's right there for them. I, I know. And like Wilson looked good at the end of that game. Yes, he did. So objectively made all kinds of great plays. Yeah. And it's why, honestly, it's just like, it's sickening for bears fans. Cause it's like, Oh, one quarter. Oh, that guy might have it. Okay. Like one quarter and bears, it'll, it's never going to happen. But I, so I just, I don't think that this is going to be a pretty game. So instead of worrying about who's going to win, I just want to make money on the ugliness, and, and, I, and I took the under. Who do you think's the better team in Lions-Patriots? Well, this is insane because the game's in New England, and for years we've looked at the Patriots as the model franchise, and the Lions is the antithesis of that, and yet basically Vegas is telling us on a neutral field the two teams are even, that there's no difference, and Detroit's still dealing with injuries on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know, dude. 
Zappy for the the fact that he I went back and I watched that game after we talked. I actually thought he was better than Rodgers. And I can't I can't believe I'm saying that, but I like I turned that game off of NFL Plus or Game Pass or whatever the frig it's called, and I'm like, I kind of like this guy. I got a soft spot for this guy. And so well, Yeah, his college numbers are insane. I, I think they're gonna I think that might be a storyline for us on our next podcast. Like, dude, Z- Bailey Zappi threw for like 340 and three touchdowns, and the Patriots mopped the floor with the Lions. I kind of think that that's going to happen. So, so another quarterback better than any quarterback the Bears have had in my lifetime? Yes. Zappi. Um, I think that you know I've liked Detroit all year. I, I like them over six and a half. I, I'm still feeling very good about that and part of it was the additions and the schedule and playing hard for the coach and all of that. I think this is a game where Belichick and what they do is just going to be like, okay, the Lions defense is pathetic. The Lions offense has been very good even when Swift and Brown and guys have been hurt. Like the Lions offense has been one of the best in the NFL this year. So let's keep them on the sidelines. Like th- this to me is like 40 minute time of possession game. And they're going to just run the ball for five and a half yards of carry. And they're going to snap the ball with two seconds left on the play clock. <laughs> I can see that. Starting in the first quarter. You know what I mean? Like it is going to just be like a deliberate game of keep away but and then you're just like oh right dirty bill dirty bill belichick like just like fr- from the mi- you know you never see teams mar- like manipulate the play clock like that in the first quarter of the game they're just gonna be like we don't want to even give this jared goff tj hawkinson if he plays like whatever we don't want to give that up don't put that on the field seven minute field goal drives just like an interminable game, but they control it the whole way. I, I think that that's the type. I, I, I'll be floored if it's 340 passing yards because I don't think he's going to give them the opportunity. I think they are going to just run the yeah. ball. See, I'm not because I think Detroit's going to put eight in the box, and that's when Bill's going to let Zappy do his thing. And he's. Gonna I mean, listen, I'm rooting for. I, I, that, that'd be fun, but I, I, I think, I think it's just a wire to wire Patriots slop fest. Uh, do you like? either of these teams prospects that came into the year, both with a ton of expectation chargers or Browns, do you like either of their hopes uh, in the game or the season? Well, we were both so high on LA and I think there's a chance out of this game to maybe buy low on the chargers, but I think the Browns are going to win the game. And I think the Browns are going to be in a situation because that'll tie them with the winner of the Ravens Bengals game for first place. And I think they're that, that's going to start with them for maybe the first time this year. An interesting conversation about maybe the most despised player in the NFL in the positive impact he can have on them when he comes back from injury. Because they've played mostly cupcakes. They've had the easiest schedule to this point. And even with the Chargers injuries in the game being at home, I think if the Browns win this game, and they run the ball with Chubb, and he has another breakout game. 
I think it's going to force people, especially like in our line of work, like the analytical minds that really like the Chargers, it's going to force people to be like, oh, fuck. Well, what are the Browns when Deshaun Watson comes back? So that's my read on this game. I think Cleveland will win. And I think it's going to open up a can of worms about how good they can be once Watson returns to the lineup. You know, it's it's still so far away, um, right? It's after week 11 for that game against the Texans that I think the media has just kind of decided to not talk about it for a while from a football standpoint. And understandably. They've been, a, they've been a favorite in every game. And they played the game that, like, no one – I know there was a Thursday night game against the Steelers who are a Tiffany franchise, but they've been like, as a bad team, like, all right, they're playing cupcakes. They might win and win ugly. Just kind of put the game on the back burner. But if you beat Justin Herbert and the Chargers, I think it forces people to have a harder conversation about the Browns, Danny. Yeah, for, and fourth quarter lead in every game, too. I just, I think that, you know, the the when you said buy low on the Chargers, I just looked it up. They're eleven to one to win the AFC right now. So are you saying Browns beat the Chargers and then we bet them? Yeah, I'm saying that after that they'll probably be like sixteen or eighteen to one or something like that, just to win the AFC. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I mean it, it it's just it's just typical Chargers because I told you before the year I got them at, I got them at eighteen to one at the beginning of the offseason before they added Khalil Mack when everybody was healthy. They went down to twelve to one, and then all the injuries happened, and they were like twenty one or twenty two to one uh but before last week so the value went went completely away i'll say i i was pretty impressed with herbert last week like all of us twitter doctors who are like <laughs> oh you got you can't play him can't play him and like obviously i i still don't think he should have been out there down four touchdowns in in the fourth yeah. quarter of the game right after the rib injury but like hey it's possible that they actually knew what they were doing and this guy is gonna have to just have a little bit extra padding and deal with this sort of thing. The guy threw the ball 40 times, 39 yeah. times last week. So like he's a he's a gamer. Uh the question is going to be can they stop the run? Because if the if the Chargers can just slow Chubb down, 100-yard game, 24 carry, you know what I mean, just like just he's going to get his but just make him work for it, then I think the Chargers win fairly comfortably. But if it's easy for Chubb and I got to be honest, I don't have a great read on the Chargers ability to do that. So I, I feel like I'm going to learn a lot about what the, what type of games the Chargers can win based on how they handle Chubb in this spot. But I still think the Chargers are live because if Herbert can play like he did last week, that soon after the, the rib injury, then they're going to get a few of these guys back. And I still think that they could be fine going forward this season. Eagles Cardinals is our next game. We talked about a trap game earlier for uh for the Niners you feel that way here Eagles a little bit overrated in this spot against Arizona yeah because I think even though I obviously have projected Jacksonville to be really good this year and you know you obviously were higher on Detroit than what they were last year when they were one of the worst teams in the NFL like in Minnesota Sunday night or Monday night football but like the Eagles still have to beat a team and I'm not saying Arizona is great or anything but it's on the road against a team that made the playoffs last year and was the last team without a loss from a year ago. And the way the line is, is five and a half. I just think that there's been a big rush to coronate Philadelphia as the best team. And it's a little bit to me 
like Buffalo and Miami a couple weeks ago. And I know Buffalo dominated a lot of the numbers in that game, the yardage and the time of possession of those things. But I just feel like everyone has just jumped on the Eagles bandwagon. And based on the way Murray is connected with Hollywood Brown early this year, I just think that this is a tougher game than people are making it out to be. And I actually think that Arizona is going to beat them on Sunday, Danny. Yeah, it's um, it's a weird spot for Philly because of a lot of the things that you just mentioned. But I, I was looking it up uh, because we've talked about like how Philly's been impressive and they win a bunch of different ways and they've been running the ball so effectively like when Hurts yeah. hasn't, been, hasn't been good. And I, I think of Arizona as having a terrible defense. Um, no one's had a big running day against them all season when the chiefs played them their leading rusher was pacheco with 62 yards jacobs had 69 yards acres had 61 mccaffrey had 27 they haven't allowed a single running runner that's to have 70 yards or more that's good research by you yeah well just it just surprised me because i was thinking about like if if it was a weird game for hertz and it was a weird spot and he was a little off were they are they going to just be able to fall back on? Oh well, we can run the ball against Arizona. The defense isn't good. He wasn't and, that good last week. They got away with it because Lawrence fumbled the ball so many times against the Eagles. Right, but so that's what that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like like they they've been, but but if if they can just turn the ball and hand it off to Sanders and just run like a running, you know, they say defense travels, a running game travels, all of that stuff. But if Arizona is going to be able to take away the running game, it's going to force Hurts to to play well. And I'm not, I'm not saying Arizona's got a great run defense necessarily, but through four games, yeah, you haven't been able to run on them, which I just think adds to the tricky spot here. And if you would have like, before I looked that up today, before the show blind test, like I would have not said that it, because I, I don't think Arizona is getting a lot of love for their defense. So I'm with you. I think it's a really, really tricky spot uh, for Philly. And if Philly's going to win, it's going to be because Hertz is going to have to outduel uh, Kyler, which is yeah. no sure thing at this point. You want me to keep setting up these games? Fine, I will. Titans, <laughs> Commanders. All right, I've been down on the Titans all year, buddy. But what do we have to do here if Derrick Henry's actually just Adrian Peterson and a cyborg? And well, never that's been- what it's looked like the last two weeks, especially early in those games. Yeah, and given what happened to the Colts. Uh, on Thursday winning in such a horrifically ugly fashion. I just thought like, if, if Henry is back, then I think the Titans are going to win the division again. Now, my opinion is that he's not totally back. And I think we see him regress again against Washington. I just don't see him at this point in his career is being able to do back to back to back to maybe back to back games and just, look like the elite runner that he is. So I'm actually betting against him. I'm fading him. Um, I'm shorting that stock, as you like to say in your business. Thank you. Uh, your, your family's business. But like, I just don't. My family's business. Yeah. I, I, I if, if he is the guy that he's been the last two weeks, I think they'll win the division. But I'm here saying that I think that his luck runs out against Washington on Sunday. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a good spot though, right? Like, Washington has not been 
impressive, more so against the pass than than, than against the run. Right. Um, I just, I just, I don't think that the Carson Wentz commander secondary, like, like it's a, it's a passing league. So maybe it's a good matchup for them in the spot that Tennessee is not going to crush you through the air. Burks but, is hurt. Right. But I, I'm going down with the ship. <laughs> and I, I, it's like, which of these teams do I like less? And I think I still like the Titans a little less, but I also was the same guy who said that I thought that the national media was trying to crown the Jaguars before they were really worth it. And now we just saw what the Colts did against the Broncos. Like someone has to win the AFC South. So if if Derek, and and don't you think the Adrian Peterson comp is the right one? Yeah, I like that. People said that Pete was done for five years. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in it, in that scenario, the Titans are the better team and they might be the best team in the AFC South, but I just I, I I'll be late to that party. Uh Seahawks and Saints. Do, are if you're a Seattle fan, are you rooting for Geno to keep this up? Or do you think it's a fool's gold situation with him, Danny? Well, I think if you have a quarterback who completes over 70% of his passes and wins NFC offensive player of the week. You, you root for it, like if you, you know what I mean, like if if it, if he and he's like carrying himself with a certain degree of moxie and pride, and like he did have some pedigree, like it. I think you root for it because number one pick might already be out the window, and so you deal with that other part later if you think it can be real long term. Do I think that's likely? No, and the second he turns back into a pumpkin, then you root for it to stay that way. And I personally think it's going to. Like, I think it's an awesome story. I think it's been a weird set of circumstances with week one against Denver, that game meaning so much to them, and then back-to-back weeks against Atlanta and Detroit, two of the worst defenses in the NFL. I think the Saints defense is going to seem like the 85 Bears. And they lost the Atlanta game. What? And they lost the Atlanta game. It's not even like they won that for Gino. Right, no, no, but I know I but yeah. we were talking about in the context of Gino. In, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the context of Gino being good and efficient and completing a huge percentage of his passes, right? Like he 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 was very efficient in the Atlanta game. They lost, but I'm just talking about like in the context of the quarterback, I think that the Saints defense is going to seem like the 85 Bears compared to what they've seen this year when he's been good. So I think that this is going to be – it's a fascinating question, but I, I think this – it's not going to have to actually become a real worry for Seahawks fans because I think this is the two interception or two turnover with a strip fumble. Like, I think this is the game where Geno Smith goes back to looking like the career backup that he's been. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that – it's a situation where if most quarterbacks had these numbers through four games, we'd consider the team that he was playing for like a legitimate contender. But no one does that with Smith because just like you, they're anticipating that shoe is going to drop. And the only point I was trying to make with the Falcons game is that he was somewhat effective at home against a supposedly bad team, and they still lost. Right. They still didn't win. They didn't do enough to win the game. So. I think it's like a nice story in terms of like a, 
you know, perseverance. But I don't, I'm like you, I don't see any way that it plays out long-term. And if I'm a Seahawks fan, the last thing I want is for him to play just well enough where it convinces the people there to draft like Will Anderson or somebody like that with a top five pick. I, but like, listen, I mean, Gino's been a great story. Like, we, you know, we started this with him out playing Russ, and like you said, somewhat effective. I just pulled it up. He was thirty-two of forty-four for three hundred and twenty-five yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Passer rating of a hundred in that game against Atlanta. Like he, he was good. Yeah, he just lost at home. Yeah. So no, and, and listen, losing to Atlanta is a bad loss. I'm I'm with you there, but they're a bad team. They were supposed to be a bad team. Like yeah. Geno Smith throwing 44 times for 325 yards and a couple of scores is pretty damn impressive. All right, last game on the slate, Texans Jaguars. Survivor pool. We we confident that Jaguars have separated themselves. We trust them in this spot. Yeah, I do. And, and like Houston has been that plucky team like Detroit last year that just keeps losing games barely, but finding ways to lose. But I feel in this match, like I'm, I'm confident for once in Jacksonville that they win this game in a very comfortable setting. Like I do actually think that they've, they've progressed enough. We're just winning this game is not what people expect or demand out of them. But like, hey, let's look good beating Houston at home. And I anticipate that they're going to do that. I think that the we referenced the fumbles from Trevor Lawrence and like, you know, they lose that game. Uh, it They have to play a clean game against this type of opponent. Like, I think that people have crowned the Jaguars too soon. But I like their future and I love Trevor Lawrence. But what is true is they're not in Houston's class. They were last year. Yeah. But they, they've leveled up, right? Like if if it's a high class, middle class, low class league, the Jaguars are middle class. And some people are trying to make them upper middle class. And I don't think they're there yet. But the Texans are still lower class. They're a bottom five team in the NFL. And so not that they have any home field advantage, but like they're at home. They're certainly not playing anyone the caliber of Herbert. They spent all week watching that film of how like sloppily they played against an upper class team. By comparison, this is going to feel pretty easy. You know, maybe the Texans run on them. And keep this game close. Like the Texas, uh, the Jaguars are laying a touchdown and the totals only like 42 and a half, 43, 43 and a half over the course of the week. So like, that's a lot to lay in a low scoring game. But I, I think the Jags probably win this one by double digits. So do I. Okay. And then uh, that wraps it up. We've got the Chiefs who are going to hang 40 on the Raiders, but we'll get into that game uh, on, on Sunday's pod. Thank you to Spencer Ray. Subscribe, rate, review, share it. We're 1ST ampersand pod. First in pod. (laughs) See you, Pony. See you, Danny. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 